people who argue and people who make their point very strongly and come down, we're told to stay away from those people. We don't do that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going to learn a lot about confrontation today as we study 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's going to be very, very interesting. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey. Today I'm going to be taking a look at the interplay between the ancient city of Ephesus and what we find written about it in the New Testament. Ryan. Today, I'm attempting to answer the million-dollar question, is money really the root of all evil, or is it a blessing from the Lord? Now, that's a really good question. We're going to study all of this in 28 minutes, plus what she is saying. Janice, what are you saying? <laughs> My segment today is one word, friction. All right, friction. We'll talk about it. So get your Bible out and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is very interesting as we begin to study the Word of God and listen to what the Lord is telling us. First Timothy 6, verses 1 through 10. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. First Timothy chapter 4 to 6. Now that's the passage that we read today as we continue through the Bible. I am ser seriously excited about today, but about every day now until the end of the year, because it is really something how we read the scripture. In fact, when it comes to being satisfied or content with what we have, both, most things we see, hear, and read in today's culture are opposite that, opposite what the Bible teaches. I mean, to be content is to be satisfied. It's to be full and happy. And over and over again, the Bible teaches that. 
Now, as followers of Christ, we should develop an attitude of contentment in life, regardless of the circumstances. But, you know, in this world, we're told never to be content. There's always something we have to get, always something we need more, whether that be money, newer technology, a bigger, better house, or a better anything. We're always needing more. But did you know that 1 Timothy chapter 6 reveals the truth about contentment and the attitudes that pastors must exhibit from their pulpit as their life? Hmm. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, quote, For the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have actually strayed from their faith and in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, close quote. Pastors, in fact, anyone who is a Christian is warned about loving money. Our love needs to be designated and dedicated to God above all things. Now, this is the secret to contentment. We learn not to love wealth, but to love and work for God. That's very, very important. I want to say that in today's passage, this is a really good one, and we need to pay attention to it closely. Be content. Take your Bible guide and turn towards it. If you don't have one, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and uh, you can click on the Bible guide, and uh, we'll send it to you the same, and you can get it downloaded right from the page there uh, after you make a donation. But thank you so much for that. You can write or call as well. Uh, but it's important for you to understand this. And so, Father, I pray today, as we begin this journey looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 to 10, help us to hear the Spirit of God and to understand what you've said. Because the world is so different in how it projects wealth and meaning of wealth. Everybody's talking about winning the lottery and all kinds of wealth. Even our governments, Lord, are talking about it. And everybody, especially in the pandemic, they've talked about it. But Lord, what does your word say? As Christians, as Christ followers, we want to hear what you say. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, turn to the passage and look at chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many bondservants... As are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, let me just read it this way. Let as many workers under the yoke of their own employers be worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. That's important to remember. Unions and employers and employees, all of us should pay attention to that. And those who have believing masters or believing employers, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Hmm. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy and strife and reviling and evil suspicions. 
useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds and destitute of truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Listen to what he says. From such, withdraw yourself. Get away from them. Now we are told to stay away from teaching and doctrines of disputes and proud heralding. You got to stay away from that, beloved. Christians must learn to be still before God. There is a real work here that God is doing and showing us during this pandemic. We don't need to be complainers and people who argue, argue, yes, I understand we have a responsibility to freedom, but we don't use that responsibility to get angry and position ourselves against the government. We don't do that. We pray and say, Lord, help us to communicate our feelings. Now, are your feelings communicated as Jesus Christ would communicate them? Just asking the question. First Timothy 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness first with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. We brought nothing into this world, and we will take nothing out except our soul. Choose wisely in how and what you believe. Beloved, choose wisely. I don't think there's a commercial for somebody saying, be content, enjoy yourself, see you later, have a good day. There's no commercial because they sell commercials so the commercials can sell things to you who buy the things to support the people, and then some, and then they go around again. But let's remember, we are to be content. Content. Man, we could talk on that for another hour, but let's get back to the scripture. Chapter 6, verse 9. And chapter 6, verse 9 says this. But those who desire to be rich, they desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare into which many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in the destruction and punishment. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's the scripture. That's not me. The love of money, the love of money is deadly. Christians, learn to love and trust the Lord, not their wealth. Christians, learn to love and trust the Lord, not their wealth. Very, very important. God has many wealthy people, and praise God, they know how to handle it. But there are people that have financial trouble, and what they have, much or little money, has nothing to do with their financial trouble. It comes from their soul comes from how they see money as a tool, beloved. It's a tool, and we have to use that tool for God. That's the important thing to remember. That is not easy to do in today's world, but it is something that we are called to do. So, Father, help us today learn that we must give and not always take. Help us, Lord, to know who to give to, when to give it, and how much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today we're in the book of 1 Timothy. And you know, a lot of Bible cynics believe that the scriptures are in conflict over its teaching about money. Now, most of us have probably heard the phrase, money is the root of all evil. Uh, this is derived from the Bible, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Yet the Bible also speaks of money as a blessing from the Lord. So which is it? Is money good or is it evil? Well, let's take a very close up look at this. Critics of the Bible believe that the scriptures contain a great number of errors and contradictions, and therefore could not possibly be the word of God as it repeatedly claims. One of these supposed contradictions has to do with the Bible's teaching on money. Many have heard the common phrase, money is the root of all evil. This is derived from 1 Timothy 6:10, which says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. However, in other places of scripture, such as Psalm 112:3. Money is spoken of as a blessing from the Lord. So, according to the Bible, is money good or is it evil? The first thing to notice is that the phrase, money is the root of all evil, is actually a corruption of what the Bible says. Writer Eric Lutz points out that Paul did not write that money is the root of all evil, or even that the love of money is the root of all evil, which would imply that greed is ultimately responsible for all evil done on the earth. Instead, we read that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In other words, when we love money to the point that it consumes us, all kinds of evil results. Yet scripture never calls money inherently evil. In fact, wealth is often portrayed through God's word as a blessing from the Lord. Indeed, many of the patriarchs were physically wealthy and Psalm 112.3 says of the God-fearing man that wealth and riches will be in his house. Of course, physical wealth is not a guarantee either since there are many other ways in which God blesses his people. The Bible's teaching then is absolutely clear and is in no way contradictory. Money can be a blessing from God, but the love of that money will bring us to utter ruin. 1 Timothy 6.9 warns that those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So as we can see, the common phrase, money is the root of all evil, while it is derived from the Bible, is actually a corruption of it. And this sort of corruption is common today, and we need to be really careful and really check what the Bible actually says. In this case, the Bible says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Yes, the Lord does sometimes bless his people with wealth. That's one of his many blessings. But when we love that wealth more than God, and it consumes us, then all sorts of evil results. And that's something that we need to watch out for. I think it's important to remember that it's not the money is a tool, but the money in our mind, depending on what we have, that becomes the problem. If we begin to see all we need is the money, 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 everybody wants to win a million dollars in the lottery, that becomes a problem. But if you accept what God has given you and you work for it and all of that, 
then you just take what God has given you and you go forward and mm -hmm. God will make it work for you. Yeah, I absolutely. think that's very important. Mm -hmm. And you're right about there. There's wealthy people that God has blessed tremendously for that reason. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. All right. We're coming to Corey. What's up? All right. Well, today I'm looking at Ephesus and the Bible. So there's a lot of Ephesus in the Bible. Actually, it's a very mentioned city. We know that Paul lived there. He stayed there for about two years. Uh, uh, we know that he left Timothy in charge of this church in Ephesus because there was a lot going on. Um, and we know that there was a big riot in Ephesus. There are three books of the Bible that were written to the Ephesian church. So we've got Ephesians and first and second Timothy. So today you and I are going to delve into some of the history and archeology span of Ephesus and how that specific archeology span and history sheds light on some of the things that are in the Bible. Take a look. The Roman city of Ephesus appears many times on the pages of the New Testament of the Bible and in different ways. Ephesus was visited twice by the Apostle Paul, who for his second visit stayed for the unusually long period of two and a half years. From Ephesus, Paul wrote Philippians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and possibly Galatians and Colossians. John, the author of Revelation, possibly wrote his work at Ephesus as well. The book of Ephesians was addressed directly to Christians living in Ephesus. First and second Timothy were written to Timothy, whom Paul had left as a teacher in Ephesus. And Ephesus is one of the seven churches spoken to at the beginning of Revelation. After the time of the apostles, Ephesus continued to be important in the early church. It's believed that here, the gospels may have first been grouped together in a bundle for convenient circulation. There's an early Christian tradition that claims the Apostle John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, chose Ephesus as their last earthly home. When looking at the history of Ephesus, it makes sense that Paul chose to spend a significant amount of time there. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, he claims that a wide door for ministry had been opened for him there. Ephesus was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia Minor, and as such was the residence of a Roman governor and the subject of imperial building and upkeep. It was a major port city that controlled sea and land trade and travel routes, and therefore had a constant stream of travelers and merchants. This was enhanced by its famous temple to the goddess Artemis Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Not only would this temple have attracted many religious pilgrims, but the commercial industry around it also, at least once, caused a major riot due to Christianity's disrupting influence. Ephesus was also a center of emperor worship and hosted its own Olympic Games. Intellectually, Ephesus attracted scholars and philosophers. It had a reputation for scholarship that would culminate after Paul's time in the famous two-story Library of Celsus. Ephesus was in a strategic location that facilitated Christian missions. There was a constant multicultural flow of people, religious pilgrims, and scholars and philosophers to evangelize. It's no wonder that Paul stayed to work in Ephesus and then left his trusted friend Timothy to continue the work. Today, the city of Ephesus is one of the most archaeologically excavated and preserved sites of the Roman world, largely because it was abandoned in history. Its ancient ruins are not covered with a modern city. In the 3rd century AD, the city suffered major damage from an earthquake that wasn't sufficiently repaired until the late 4th century by a Christian emperor. 
The city lasted until it was ravaged by a fire in the early 7th century, leaving it largely abandoned. When its harbor finally silted up in the 9th century, it was abandoned wholesale, leaving it a place of Christian pilgrimage. More to be said on Ephesus on tomorrow's program. We're going to be looking at the city as a whole. So today we more so focused in on uh, archaeological discoveries and historical discoveries that really illuminate certain passages in the Bible and certain episodes that we read about. And on tomorrow's program, we're going to do a more broad sweeping uh, look and overview of Ephesus. Because Ephesus is so mentioned in the scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures specifically, uh, it's really helpful to know some of the culture and history of Ephesus because it really does show how the apostles were trying to minister in this very contentious area of the world. Yeah, it really is interesting. And uh, when you look at Ephesus and you begin to understand everything, uh, you go back in history and look at it, it's a fascinating place. And it's an amazing place where Paul put the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's like Corinth, you know, same thing there. So it is amazing. And these series are great. Now, I just want to mention to you that Church 365 is a way that we help you grow as a, if you have a small group, a church small group or whatever, and you want to know more about the Bible and what we study, then you need the Church 365. Check it out on our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Or also you can call us or you can write to us or whatever you need to do. But this year coming is going to be a great year because we have a lot of things set up for it and a lot of things ready for it. Rachel helps us with this and we're gonna take you further in the Bible on top of our regular Bible study that we're gonna continue all with new material next year. And so I'm very, very excited about Church 365. It's gonna be very, very good. Janice. Yes, I titled this segment um, Friction. And you guys were asking me why I brought a couple of items with me. And I'm going to share we that were. a little bit later mm -hmm. on. Yes, because I wasn't exactly 100% sure how I was going to integrate this, but it was just, it came into my mind and I grabbed it before we started to tape today's programs. But this chapter of 1 Timothy chapter 6, I find very interesting. And when we get to verse 3, um, Paul is talking to Timothy about error and greed. And he talks about um, how that we talk and how that we teach. And he says this, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. And he goes on to talk about this. And I thought, well, that's an interesting phrase, useless wranglings. It actually means constant friction. And I got thinking about that. He's talking about wholesome words, and then he's talking about friction and, and, and unsound doctrine. And I thought the gospel message and the gospel instruction aims at unity and love. But unsound doctrine, it produces ugly results with verbal conflict or verbal fighting at the center. 
And I thought, that's that friction. That's that useless wranglings of sometimes words that we use too much or unsound doctrines, things that we create from the Bible that really are not in the Bible. And it, it causes this ugly result, this constant friction. And I went into our storeroom here at the studio and I found sandpaper. And I thought, this is what he was talking about. Now, is that not annoying? And I'm sorry, Chris, who's doing the audio in our in the in the control room, but this is that constant friction that he's talking about. This use of words, this we are supposed to be spreading the gospel message, bringing unity and love and following Jesus Christ, not getting ourselves caught up in these unsound doctrines and these arguments that causes disputes and useless wranglings or constant friction. So I don't know about you, but I would much prefer to listen to the gospel message and the instruction and being able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ than constant friction. That's sandpaper. That's sandpaper. <laughs> it's not pleasant. This but is it's not pleasant. pleasant. No. This is not pleasant. Not at all. But you know what sandpaper does is wear down the paint right. on cars, wear down the paint and you're trying to sand something off. Yes. And it smooths things over because it's harder. This does not build up, does no, it? No, it does not. It tears down. It, it tears doesn't build down. Up. And after a while, it's quite annoying. Yes, yes it, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. That's very annoying. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, you know, again, I'm going to say this. Uh, today in the media and in the world, there's so many people arguing about so many things. Well, you're not this. You're not that. You're not this. You're not that. I do this. I don't do that. Why are we arguing? I remember when Paul speaks in the book of Romans and he says, be of one mind and be sound. You know, being of one mind doesn't mean you argue about things. And we need to consider this. We need to not argue about things like that. Well, yeah. Well, much like the sandpaper, we too have a purpose. But if we're too busy arguing with each other, we can't fulfill our purpose of spreading the gospel or representing Christ appropriately to the world. Well, that's exactly right. And we need to not focus our attention on the arguing or the fighting. Everything's a fight, you know. Today, everything's a fight. The, the, the one political party's fighting, the other political party's fighting, everybody's fighting and knocking each other down, the negative ads and everything else. As Christians, as people who follow Christ, we should focus our attention on the one good thing, which is God has given us eternal life. And that life is in the Lord. And he was the Lord has that eternal life. And so we need to remember that from 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. So that was excellent, by the way. No friction. No friction. There you Not go. constant friction. No. want to invite you to join us at 3.30 today. That's Eastern time or that's New York time. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have a live prayer meeting on Facebook and YouTube. It is great. Join us there and we'll be on Bible Discovery TV as well. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for the world. It's important. Today, we need to pray this way. Lord, help me to value the worth of a soul through your eyes, not mine, your eyes. 
I need, Lord, the mind of Christ. Help me. 